Welcome, welcome in to the podcast, the 59th episode of the pod. This week, we're going to be going over week three, take a quick preview into week number four. Uh, we have our sponsor, again, Underdog Fantasy, came back for another week. Use our promo code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y. Get a free deposit match up to $100 in bonus cash. The guys today, we're going to be going reports from around the realm, taking a look at our previous crystal ball picks from last week and punching our tickets for the future crystal ball picks next week. Wanted to thank everybody again for listening. Let's get it. Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your Dynasty League for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go. Episode number 59 of Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. It is Thursday, a day late, September 29th, but not a dollar short. Whoever you may be, however you may be listening, Apple Pod, Spotify, wherever you're coming from, welcome, welcome in. Crazy week three slate of games. We really enjoyed it over here. Jace out in the desert, Max and super producer up in Cleveland, the land. Gentlemen, what do you think of week three? You know, uh, another week, and in my two most important leagues, 0-3. So it's tough out here, man. I don't know. I would like to think I'm on a fantasy podcast. I should be winning. But sometimes the cards don't fall right. Um, In our redraft league, I have the most points scored against. And sometimes that's just how it is. So I'm still doing well. I'm loving football, and I'm amped for this episode, Pete. Wait, really quick, before we get on to the other guys, intentional 0-3 in the other league, right? No, I'm actually trying to win in um, in our most important league, Mike V. I actually am. Jace has my pick, um, so it really doesn't do me anything to tank. Um, so, you know, things happen sometimes. Um, and I got my championship, so I'm good for a couple of years in that league. I'm pretty content. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the way things are going for you in that league, to say the least, because I myself am 0-3 in that league, and I have my own first in 23, so I'm hoping for a little uh, 101 and 102 action, or at least two of the top three picks, so that would be fantastic in and of itself, but talking of, uh, speaking of bad breaks, um, just for anyone out there that's taking bad beats, they're 0-3 right now, maybe took a hard L in week three, I was the one seed in two fantasy baseball leagues, Exited in the semifinal round both times. And uh, one of the leagues I've been trying to win since high school. And I just, there's nothing I could have done. The fantasy gods just wanted the other guy to win. And uh, so just know if you're out there, you're strugg- struggling right now, the emotional investment of fantasy sports, it's kicking you in the butt. Well, it's kicking me in the butt too, but you just got to get up, dust yourself off, pick a process, stand behind it, and keep rolling. It's just a game. So for anyone out there, I'm here with you. And then on the swing back of that also, like, I mean, you are the one seed in both these leagues. It's the same thing with football, man. I mean, it takes a lot of luck. I'm not going to lie to win a championship. I mean, you could have literally the best team and these guys could go out there and just put up stinkers. I mean, Nixie, I would like to think has a super house in our league and he scored under hundred two weeks in a row. So anything is possible. And that's the beauty of fantasy football. That's why I love it. And that's why I play. One of the beauties of fantasy football is also that we have three months left until the playoffs. So 
is a lot of time for any owner out there that's thinking they got to change the course of directions. There's 12 weeks or 11, 11 or 12 weeks until the playoffs start in most of your fantasy league. So there's a lot of time left. This going is off of, ooh, go ahead, Max. Sorry, sorry. Uh, going off of that, you know, there is somebody in our league who, you know, after three weeks thinks this tight end is worth a second round pick. Um, don't be the person that buys a player like Tyler Conklin for a second or pays any pick for him. Um, I don't think he's going to be worth much in the long run. Let the guy cut him. I don't know who that guy is that thinks he's worth a second. Probably some Jet fan, but don't overreact to week three in itself. Thanks, Max. Thanks for that. Um, in other news, before we get into the show today, a little pop culture we do every week. This week, I'm particularly adamant about this one because it directly relates to football and specifically a, a form of fantasy football, I'd call it. I'm going to be sharing the screen on the podcast here. I can maybe tweet out a link to the shoes uh, on the Dynasty Monarchy Twitter page later after the show's aired. But Devonta Smith, talk about a great week he's had. I think he almost put up 160 yards, if I'm not wrong. I think he had 159, couple catches, and an insane touchdown catch, too. But outside of that, it's been a big week for, for Smith, Smitty. I believe they call him Slim Batman or Skinny Batman uh, down there at the link. He released his own signature shoe, and, and this shoe is a little bit crazy. So I'm going to pull it up for the guys here really quick. All right, so, so Devonta Smith – Holy. Yeah. So it's $250 trainer. <laughs> and as you guys can see on the screen, it is not the most visually appealing shoe, Ew. right? Not the most visually appealing shoe for $250, <laughs> but, but here's the kicker. You ready for this guys? It doesn't end here. I'm going to scroll down on the page. I'm going to show you if you buy the shoe, there are incentives. So if Devonta Smith, has the first touchdown on a 41-plus yard play, you get a free cheesesteak wow. if you own this shoe. <laughs> if he gets 1,000 yards this year, you get a limited-edition football card, so a sports card. If he wins the NFL MVP, <laughs> you get a Rolex. <laughs> All so, right. <laughs> so here it is. It, listen, the, the shoe, Devonta says it's by Devonta, but it's for the fans. So essentially, if I'm Devonta Smith, really quick, am I betting against myself to win MVP? Because if he wins MVP, he's got to buy Rolexes for however many people win this. So any comment Damn. on Devonta Smith and his new business venture? And by the way, the shoes are not good. We'll link them on Twitter. Honestly, I don't mind the shoes. I really i am not. A, <laughs> I'm not a Philly fan. I'm not at all. You're a hater. These, these shoes are not bad. Like the green. For 250 though? But like, but you get a free cheesesteak, bro. No, bro. I think he's a thousand <laughs> yards. Pander. You get a football card too. I mean, I don't know. Green's an interesting color for two fifty. I mean, most shoes these days are like one hundred and thirty bucks. I mean, I, I got some similar looking New Balances for about seventy five dollars. Not the other, not too long ago. So uh, I really don't mind them. That's like the most positive thing I've said about Philly. Yeah, um, and. The green is definitely the best. They are not the, I mean, not the ugliest shoe I've ever seen, but for $250, I mean, I need to see something like some kind of like stitching of his face on the side or just like maybe like his slim Batman logo or anything. It's just kind of a plain looking shoe. But in case anyone's looking at these shoes right now, um, 
you know, it's what was it to win the MVP? You get your you get a Rolex if he wins MVP. You get a Rolex if he wins MVP and a fine right. MVP. Well, instead of spending two hundred fifty dollars on the shoes, you can probably put about ten dollars down on uh, him to win MVP and get pretty close to the price of a Rolex. <laughs> you know how long those odds are? So I think you're kind of right there. If that if that in, is the incentive to buy the shoes, just go check out the odds on Devonta Smith MVP. You might be able to put about ten dollars down. All right, let's look up those odds. We can even find them if there's even a bet out there. Yeah, but Peter, you're scrolling down on this website here. I mean, it says your sneakers are your ticket to an event hosted by Devonta in Philadelphia, which I think could be sweet. An exclusive walk cool. party for the Eagles and access to end state events. Like, end state's the name of the company. Correct. I mean, honestly, to get shoes, a player card, an event hosted by Devonta, you can get his autograph on the player card. Well, look, it's a player card if he gets 1,000 yards. And this is a non-big passing offense, as you've said, and you don't think that two players can be sustained. He got 160 in one game. If he doesn't get a thousand in the other, I don't know what that equals. 16 games, we're gonna have a problem for sure. I mean, that's that's not many yards, honestly. You can buy it with Ethereum. Is that what that is too? Correct. Yeah. Wow. All right. Honestly, I mean, it it is a really cool idea. It is a really cool idea, and maybe. But I'm you're just in a, effectively well, betting against yourself because he doesn't want to pay out a Rolex <laughs> to all these people. I mean, he's probably just taking, you know, part of the investment for the shoe. Let's set enough money aside and put that on, you know, have some relative or some friend, not directly because he doesn't want a Calvin Ridley, but have someone put that money down on him to win MVP. So just in case the Rolexes are covered. Hey, look, man, this is all I'm a big Philly supporter. I think I'd like to say I'm a Philadelphia ally, but I, I can't I can't get behind this. So I'm struggling to find his MVP odd. Oh, here it is. <laughs> it's plus 30,000. Okay. So a, a hundred dollar bet wins you 30,000. Yeah. So a $10 bet would net you three grand. Yes. So not even close to the, to the Rolex. I think Rolex has kind of start around 15 JB. So maybe this is worth the investment. They're around 15. You say, yeah, uh, for like old used ones. Okay. So put 50 bucks down instead, <laughs> and that'll net you the 15000 that you're looking for. So, it, you know, you get the 250 you get all those throw-ins and stuff. But, dang, you run across an extra $20 bill somewhere in the laundry, go plop 20 down on Devonta to win MVP. And, uh, dang, you can buy yourself a Rolex and still have some money on top. So, And you get a free cheesesteak, bro. The cheesesteak, what it you know, do we know where the cheesesteak is coming from though? That's because big. I know there's a lot of contention between what's the best cheesesteak in Philly. That's that's very big. What's up, Nick C? Yo, I'm gonna that was gonna be my main point hopping in here. It's like I'm sure that this company is probably gonna cut all the corners. That's why they didn't specify all right, cheesesteak from X cheese cheesesteak spot or a Rolex. Like a luxury watch, they're probably just buying the most expensive G-Shock watch and doling these <laughs> out. Like, I'm sure they're not giving out a Rolex or else they would say it. Like, so I don't know. I'm probably not behind uh, the 250 for these sneaks, but cool idea. Not behind the 250, but am behind maybe buying him in Dynasty a little bit. We'll get into some conversations here in just a minute. Before that, we do want to thank our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy 
another week, another underdog sponsorship. Thanks to the great people over at underdog fantasy underdog is a best ball league. It is also daily fantasy. They have over under slash pick them in certain States, but our favorite way to play over here is either through daily fantasy or best ball. The best part about underdog no setting your lineups, no waivers, no trades. Once you draft your team in daily or in a longer best ball league, it is stress-free from that moment on. So your draft is absolutely key. I'll say one thing for certain. In my personal drafts and my leagues, I wish I had the opportunity to start whichever RB2 pops off for me. I have like a medley of four different RB2s on my bench in Dynasty, and I just have no idea who I'm going to play week to week, but I just don't have a second elite level running back and none are on the market right now. So underdog, the way the best ball works, the best player would automatically be slotted into my lineup. So I would never have to worry about that start sit decision. It is stress-free fantasy football. Again, we, they do DFS, they do daily specials for Thursday night, Monday night, and those Sunday slated games. So use our code monarchy, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, and get a $100 deposit match in bonus cash, $100 for the code monarchy m-o-n-a-r-c-h-y yeah i actually just had a buddy he uh was playing one of the baseball ones last night and he put down five dollars to join one of those big pools and won 400 um he so you can make Dang. money you don't really have to put down like you don't have to put down all a hundred dollars or whatever it is you could play with it have fun it makes watching the Thursday night games, every game interesting because they do so many different things, whether it's best ball throughout the year or just like if you and a buddy are like, I think I can create a better roster than you on Thursday night. All right, bet. Let's take it to underdog. Like, let's do it, you know. So I've seen a lot of people win a lot of money and I myself have not been as lucky, but continue to play. All right, let's get into reports. All right, there's been some unfortunate injury news, but we're going to kind of rush through it a little bit. We have a bigger back half of the episode. Sterling Shepard torn ACL. A lot of your dynasty leagues typically didn't roster him, or even if they were, he wasn't finding his way into, into start for any of your leagues. Most likely, I wouldn't say the kiss of death, uh, but definitely not looking good moving forward for an older receiver like this. Often Achilles injury now in ACL back-to-back seasons. Kadarius Tony and Wandale Robinson haven't been seeing as much work. I know one or both of them are injured right now. With this offense not having a number one wide receiver, what are your comments, both in redraft and in dynasty? We know in dynasty, they're both probably rostered. Three comments. Um, one, they do have a one, number one wide receiver. It's Rishi James. Uh, go pick him up. He was looking pretty solid. I picked him up today in dynasty. I, I think he could be sustainable. I'd rather have Romeo Dobbs. I'd rather have basically any other receiver but he's worth a fun flyer i mean you got guys wanting a second for conklin i'll take a second for ricky james at that rishi james um my second comment is more of a question so i'll save that but i like wandale robinson he hasn't played this year he's very fast very speedy um they spent pretty good draft capital on him so he has the opportunity to boom um in redraft i don't know i mean it's daniel jones it's really the Saquon Barkley show. The Giants have not looked good in any of their games. They've managed to win two. So I don't know. I'm not really going after any of these guys in redraft, but I'll save my third point for the end. For me, redraft wise, I'm 
kind of the same sentiment as Max is I'm just not very interested in Tony or Wandale Robinson. I think maybe here and there they'll show bursts of athleticism because they're both just freakishly athletic. And I personally had the experience of watching Wandale play in college and I know what he can be, uh, especially with Brian Dable running things over there. He's going to find creative ways to get the ball in his hands, but it, I just don't think it's immediately. I think redraft wise, I think this builds a stronger case for Saquon, especially in full PPR. I think a lot of those targets that were going over to Sterling Shepard were short area targets, and those are going to end up in the hands of Saquon, who's just without a doubt the best player on their team. Um, one guy, too, while I was watching the game, though, I really didn't look at his stats afterwards. I'm looking him up right now, is uh, Daniel Bellinger, the, the tight end. end over. Yeah. Looked pretty solid out there. Played 60% of the snaps, saw five targets, have four catches for 40 yards. I think he's a solid short area target. Um, he is a rookie. So um, I didn't, you know, sometimes those tight ends, they just kind of come out of the woodworks, just floating around the NFL forever. Uh, but he's a rookie, already playing a decent amount of snaps, seeing a decent amount of work here, especially in week three, like I just said. So he could be worth an ad if he's sitting around on your dynasty waiver wires. But uh, back to the Tony and Wandale Robinson thing. So far, so far, Kadarius Tony has seen 35 total snaps all season through the first three weeks, and Wandale Robinson has only seen nine. So I think, I don't know, unless we see a drastic jump, I think these guys are going to struggle to be relevant. Kenny G dead in the water. Yeah, I'm going to the Waffle House for however many hours that is. I mean, literally, it's painful. That guy. He should be arrested for how much he robbed the Giants. He goes out there and jogs, doesn't catch passes, complains that he doesn't play enough. I mean, that guy is terrible. Terrible. I, yeah. I'm going to sit there and eat waffles and despise him. <laughs> if you're in Philly at that point, I'm going to sit right across from you and smile the whole time. You know, I'll make sure I'm in Philly for those 12 hours, Peter. Um, I did want to bring a question up for Peter. Um, just real quick, we've seen a lot of injuries at MetLife. Um, I've seen a lot of talk on Twitter about turf and grass and everything like that. I remember last year, I think it was the 49ers when they played the Jets. Two years ago, of- it was the Nick Bosa. Yeah, but like three players got hurt in that game. Yep. What are your thoughts on I think turf? it was three ACLs. Yeah. Are, do you think it's the field there at MetLife? I know Odell tweeted something about it, but. Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people use turf. I think the Jets and the Giants need to shell out for grass. Grass fields are always going to be better, especially when they're well-kept and they're always safer, like mathematically and statistically. But I don't think it has anything to do with MetLife. I think it's just the way that the the kind of chips fall. Sometimes some fields just appear to be worse, but really it's just, you know, certain players don't land correctly on the grass. It's not the turf's fault that – their knee was behind their like thigh when they decided to stop. Like some uh, fantasy football doctor was actually talking about that when Sterling Shepard landed, he didn't properly like stop out of his head of his sprint. So his knee buckled. Yeah. I think I I can't remember if Saquon towards ACL and MetLife. He didn't. Um, I think it was in Carolina. Okay. I was going to say, or was it in Carolina? I can't remember. Actually, I'm I'm even thinking of the wrong injury. I'm thinking of, I think he had a super high ankle sprint or super that was at, tough. That was at Dallas. Okay. Yeah. That was when his legs just kind of got clipped. Like while he was running down the field, it was total coincidence. And I think, I don't know, I'm with you. I think a lot of it's coincidence and just random freakish things happening. And at the end of the day, 
there's no rule that says injuries have to be equal across all fields or anything like that. And, you know, over the course of years and seasons, there's going to be a stadium that has the most injuries in it. And I think it's all just kind of coincidence and just the way that chips fall. It was at Chicago, Saquon's injury. But okay. I think people want to scapegoat in anything in life, whether it's like politics, X, Y, Z, like your home life. You always want to blame somebody else. And just when there's nobody to blame, just blame the field. I mean, unless you have the Ravens practice field, they definitely need to do so. <laughs> that's the only that is fact. That's the only one I'll say. They might as well just practice in some parking lot somewhere because I mean that thing is just trash. I mean, they're probably high school field practice fields better than that. So uh Ravens, anyone on the Ravens staff or players, if you're listening, you gotta start, you know, putting some uh, suggestions in the suggestion box because uh that is that's gonna get someone hurt. All right, let's keep moving on. Dalvin Cook looks like he dislocated his shoulder day to day. That same shoulder that was nagging him. Is it uh, Alexander Madison season? I feel like we've been asking this question for about three years now, waiting for Madison to break out over Cook. A lot of those dynasty owners probably a little bit upset. They turned down some sweet offers a couple of years ago for him. You guys want to see something fun? I know that we're an audio only podcast here for the weekly podcast uh, for the weekly dynasty podcast. We do sports betting specials live on Twitter on Saturdays. Take a peek at this and I'll go, I'll run through it. This is Dalvin cook's injury history broken down. What Let's website take a, is this? This is DraftSharks.com. Okay. Very fun. Look for everyone that's listening. DraftSharks.com. Just look up Dalvin cook DraftSharks.com. His right shoulder has the number six next to it and if you hover over it it lists all of his injuries march 8th 2014 labrum tear march 31st 2016 labrum tear december 15th 2019 ac joint sprain november 28 2021 shoulder dislocation november 28 2021 labrum tear september 25th 2022 shoulder dislocation this shoulder has been nagging him forever and he's torn his labrum three, three times. times my brother plays high school football and he's a linebacker he just got done uh recovering from a labrum surgery and that watching him go through that process was i mean it's a brutal brutal rehab and the fact that he's done it three times and plays in the nfl at the running back position i smell a cliff coming uh so Alexander Madison, his dynasty stock for me has shot way through the roof and Dalvin's has tanked in it. I'm trying to get him off unless I'm just completely sold out going for this year. Um, and I could just use the depth and maybe in a, you know, towards the end of the year, maybe he gets a little healthier and has some games down the road. But I mean, if I'm anywhere close to a rebuild, get Dalvin off of my roster. The AC joint stuff is really freaky too. Uh, I don't like the way that AC joint works. Uh, it's been explained to me a couple of times and just how once that AC joint goes, your shoulder is just never the same. And it looked like it happened to Dalvin uh, earlier. And then the labrum tears really started to pop through over the next couple of years. So that is a really cool graphic though, JB. And I think we definitely have to tweet that out with the episode because that's really cool. I didn't know he had six injuries on that shoulder. Um, I guess my question just being for you guys, what would you pay for Dalvin in a vacuum, whether you're going for it or competing, I get it's different prices, but what do you think his price range is right now? I feel like he should still warrant a first round pick, but I just wouldn't pay it. Cause I totally agree. 
at the end of the day, this is something I, I always try to echo to the viewers and the listeners. There are so many players in fantasy football. Go and get the better guy for the extra price. A lot of these people that try to budget their rosters, they usually are budgeted for a reason. It, there's, you know, big quotes. You get what you pay for, you know, X, Y, Z. It's just, I'd rather pay maybe an extra first on top and go get a guy like Swift. Yeah. I mean, I'm just 23 first are out the window for me now. It doesn't even matter if it's a back half one 24 first is maybe, I mean, I think that's what he's still worth, I guess, but there's no way I'm paying that. I just, I'm going to let whoever it is, write him out. And hopefully I'm a competitor and the guy who has him is, is a competitor because I think you've just gained an edge with this yeah. shoulder injury, especially if the guy doesn't have Madison to fill in. Yeah. And like, Tell me if I'm wrong. 23 first, 24 first for Swift. That's probably about fair value, right? Um, like an early 23 first is yeah. probably fair value for Swift. Anything towards the middle or back, you probably got to start working yeah. in multiples for Swift. All right. Really quick. Let's keep moving forward. David Montgomery, two seconds on this one. No matter what, unless Khalil Herbert goes off and it goes absolutely nuclear. It's this is David Montgomery's role here as the RB one. Uh, but looks like Herbert's going to be a spot starter one, maybe two weeks, potentially on the back on like the larger end, maybe three uh, for Khalil Herbert this upcoming uh, couple of weeks, any status heavier prices changed on Montgomery. I, I think they personally have uh, for myself, but I'll, I'll give you guys some, some opinions. Yeah, I mean, I know the one person in our league is holding out for a, a 24 first for him. I don't really think he's worth a first. Um, he's 25 years old, going to be 26 in June. Um, I just don't think – I don't see him being successful past this year, really. He's stuck in a terrible Chicago offense. I'd pay multiple, like, 23 seconds for him, I think. I think what we have going on here is a future split of work. I think this is kind of like my bold prediction right now. Uh, like last year it was Daryl Henderson played well enough to work into a timeshare with Cam Akers. I think Herbert's going to play well enough to scooch into a timeshare with David Montgomery because, I mean, when he gets the full workload, like he did this past week, 20 attempts, 157 yards and two touchdowns, two catches for 12 yards to get thrown on top. That's nice, but even when you go back to his rookie year, week five, 18 carries for 75 yards, averaging 4.17 on the ground. Uh, the next week, 19 carries for 97 yards, averaging uh, 5.11 uh, yards per carry and a touchdown, two catches, 15 yards. Uh, again, 18 carries, 100 yards in week seven. Uh, week eight, 23 carries, 72 yards, like He's good. He's really good. And if you give him the eye test, if you go back and watch him in week three, like I had the, the chance to do, I mean, he looks really, really good. He's got burst. He's quick. He stays on his feet. So I, I think this is bad news for David Montgomery. I know it's a high ankle sprain, which is, I believe, what held CMC out for a large portion, portion of last year, held Saquon out for quite some time. This injury is not good for running backs. Um, it's It's not good for – any position, but especially running back where there's just so many feet and ankles when they go through the line, uh, things to trip over. And yeah, I don't know. I'm worried for David Montgomery for the rest of the season and dynasty wise, I think he's going to work himself into a timeshare. Yeah. For me personally, I, I look at him. He's very good and very effective when he's out there, but it's too much of a risk. I wouldn't be buying Herbert right now. 
unless you have Montgomery, if I have Montgomery and Montgomery is like my RB two and the, he's the key to the kingdom. Like I don't have incredible, incredible wide receivers. You need your RB two to produce. I'd be perfectly fine going out there and putting maybe a, a couple second or a second and a third package for um, Herbert, just in case, and, and just getting that insurance policy together. And I'm perfectly fine overpaying a little bit on that. So, yep. I think too, the best time to go get Herbert is once Montgomery comes back and it looks like, Oh, the show's over. Everyone's going to say, Oh, look, you got all this work last year when Montgomery was hurt, you know, 18 carries, 19 carries, 18 carries, 23. And then Montgomery came back and he got four carries. If that's the sentiment, you can go buy Herbert for a couple 23 seconds or a 23 second and a third or however many packet, you know, whatever package of seconds you can do. I'm doing that all day. Cause I think, although he plays for the bears, I think he's explosive enough to enter that kind of like maybe a tier under Tony Pollard or half a tier under Tony Pollard or pretty equal with Tony Pollard somewhere. I think he's going to be an elite handcuff or pretty close to it. All right. Let's keep moving forward. Uh, really quick on this one. Swift looks like he could be out a couple of weeks. Jamal Williams really doesn't threaten me. It does absolutely nothing for Swift's value. No, not in a dynasty standpoint. I mean, redraft Jamal will be nice for a couple of weeks there, but nothing really too major. Um, Swift's the guy there. Yep, nothing, nothing major. I love Jamal Williams, but uh, at the end of the day, he's he's just a jag man. He's just a guy. So um, don't invest too heavily in him, and don't fade Swift too hard because eventually that backfield is going to be Swift's. You don't get points for really cool interviews, and that's all Jamal Williams is probably going to give most people the rest of his fantasy career. All right, let's keep moving forward. Mac Jones looked like his leg got amputated on the field. Uh, this is just my anti-Patriots bias. Nothing against Mac himself, but he was crying like a little baby. Okay, there it is. That My, my Patriots fan uh, hatred is, is out the window now. I'll be unbiased. Uh, Mac Jones, ankle sprain. Uh, most likely going to miss a lot of time. High ankle sprain, uh, especially for a quarterback. I think it was his plant ankle, so not super fun. Where are we at currently with the wide receiver options in New England? It was slim pickings to begin with, believe me. On top of that, are you still comfortable starting? Let's say the wide receivers are out of the picture at this point, Janu or Hunter Henry, just in a, a deeper league, a 14-man league at, with tight ends? No, I mean, I think I'd rather start Cole Komet, who's caught two balls in three weeks. I mean, I really wouldn't start Jacoby Myers. I wouldn't, I wouldn't start anyone on New England. I think Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, maybe. Um, but I really think they're both touchdown dependent. The receivers and pass catching people wouldn't touch them with an 11 foot pole. Yeah. I mean, talk about high ankle sprains, Mac Jones, his ankle sprain was bad. If you saw him come limping off the field, he was not risking putting a single ounce of pressure on his leg. He went completely one legged all the way to the sideline and was looking like you said, Peter, he's crying like a baby, but I myself have sprained my ankle really bad. That hurts. I mean, it hurts so bad. You think I, there's no way I didn't just break my ankle. And then when they tell you, no, you just sprained it. You're like, damn, no imagine what breaking my ankle would feel like. But um, Jacoby Myers is the only pass catcher that I'm halfway involved in. That's a super deep full PPR league and half point PPR. He takes a significant downgrade because he is, I mean, Worst case scenario, DJ Moore is what Jacoby Myers is. He's an elite route runner, gets open, can catch a bunch of balls that he cannot score touchdowns for the life of him. So full PPR is the only interest I have in Jacoby Myers. 
but uh, this upcoming week, well, Jacoby's banged up right now as well, but he's got, he's at green Bay and uh, that is a defense that I would not like to play um, an injured Mac Jones and injured Jacoby Myers against uh, everything else pretty much stays the same. Cause most guys were relevant and the two running backs we've known we're going to be in a timeshare. All right, let's keep moving forward. One more item. Daddy Zach, the MILF hunter himself, Zach Wilson, medically cleared, expected to play Sunday. The Jets are down there three. And I did say that three, one, two, three starting tackles. Makai Becton at the start of the year, Dwayne Brown, who they signed to be his replacements on the IR, and then George Fant, who's the starting left tackles on the IR. They are really banged up. I'm surprised they're even strutting them out. I heard rumors that they might not just because of how bad that O-line's banged up. They don't want to mess them up the first game. Does this do anything? And I, I know the inevitable answer is yes. For the elite level target numbers these receivers have been getting. Um, yes, it does. I am very interested to see how these receivers play. Um, I mean, last year, Zach was in and out. Um, the same with this year. Joe Flacco has been honestly pretty solid. Uh, he's been putting up the yards. He's been targeting Elijah Moore a lot. Conklin, a second rounder. Um, he's been looking good as well. Um, and Garrett Wilson. So I'm very, very interested. That's probably the biggest storyline, actually, this week. I want to see what these receivers can do. And especially versus Pittsburgh. Like, a lot of people are scared off of the matchup versus Pittsburgh. Um, but I, I don't think... Like we saw Amari Cooper torch these guys last week. And if Amari Cooper and Jacoby Brissett can do it, I get Amari's a great route runner, but so is Elijah. So is Garrett Wilson. Um, I'm expecting a decent game from Zach. I get, he doesn't have tackles. So I, you know, I think everyone kind of feels like this is going to be a super big drop for the pass catching options. And I think it could be a decent fall, but I wanted to look and see, uh, at the completion percentage between Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson. And that could be affected by the number of amount of passes thrown between the two. I think Flacco is much more apt to throw the ball and air it out uh, as compared to Zach Wilson, who I think last year we saw that the Jets kind of want to protect him at times um, and try to get Michael Carter in the run game going. Um, and that's just kind of the nature of the Shanahan system that Sal is running over there. Um, but Joe Flacco is currently rocking a 58.7% completion percentage. And last season, Zach Wilson's was 55.6. So, like, not a huge difference right there. I just think maybe um, the Jets maybe wanting to pr protect their franchise quarterback in a game where they know they're missing those three linemen that Peter's talking about. Um, going up against a Mike Tomlin defense, too. I, I, I don't know. I, I I think there's still just so much to learn. I think it's going to be so hard to project what the drop or if it's going to be um, a rise for some of these guys. I think it's going to be super hard to project. Um, but the biggest thing for me is I really, really, really want to see Zach Wilson target the running backs at the rate that Joe Flacco is because Joe Flacco, a seasoned vet, knows your first option's covered, your second option's covered, your third's covered. Let's check it down. Let's not even – try to scoot around and make a play out of it. Let's give it to someone else who's much more athletic and faster and see what they can do. Um, so hopefully we can see a little bit of that um, kind of develop into Zach Wilson's game, because I think Michael Carter, I think down the road, he could end up kind of like a Naheem Hines kind of guy, PPR machine into the bench kind of flex and Brees Hall. We want to see a three down back. We want to see someone um, who can catch the ball on a consistent basis out of the back, out of the backfield. Like we've seen this season. 
and hopefully with Zach, we see the same thing. So um, that's going to be the biggest thing I'm looking out for. Yeah, Brees Hall, seven targets week one, one target week two, sadly, but that target was a touchdown. And then week three had nine targets. So Joe loved dumping it down to him, but we'll see. We'll see what happens moving forward with Zach. I think it's going to be very interesting for Hall's trajectory for this season and his fantasy relevance for this season if he's going to still get that passing work. Right now, I think he's running back 17 on the year, and he only has one touchdown and is taking like 45 or 50% of the snaps. So he's having an incredible year given the fact that he's a rookie and taking 50% of the snaps at RB17. So we'll see if he can kind of turn on the Jets towards the back half of the year. All right. Pun intended. Yes. All right. Enough from the news. I want to hear Max's trade offer before we get into our crystal ball segment and wrap up the show. Yeah, I'm expecting them to be pretty quick nose. Just wanted to kind of gauge your guys' value. JB, I'm starting off with you. Um, I just figured we'd do something fun today. Uh, I'm prepared to offer you Jameson Williams and Cortland Sutton for CD Lamb. Ooh, wow. That is interesting. Wow. Um Damn, see that is that is coming in hot and heavy because the one thing I do uh, I do love me some CD Lamb. I know the quarterback situation sucks, but Dak is on his way, and CD over the past three weeks has racked up thirty four targets in three games. I mean, he's been nothing but a target monster. I'm not the biggest Jameson Williams guy. I have Jerry Judy on that team. Man. That is so, so tough. (laughs) That is so – I know the value's there, and I should take that, but I'm thinking of my team too. My roster is full of wide receivers. I'll I'll list it for the people real quick. Uh, This team is 0-3. This is a rebuilder. I have Daniel Jones, Naheem Hines, Raheem Mostert, DJ Moore, Jerry Judy, Gerald Everett, Marquise Brown. I'll skip the kicker in defense. I got a slew of backup quarterbacks, J.D. McKissick. So I only have three running backs on this team, J.D. McKissick, Mostert, and Hines. And then I have uh, the previous wide receivers I mentioned, Moore, Judy, Brown, Curtis Samuel, Isaiah McKenzie, Noah Brown, D.J. Chark, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, LaVisca, uh, Joshua Palmer, and David Bell. I just, man, I know the values there, but – Man, I, I don't know if I can say yes. I don't know if I can say yes. I am I'm really not the biggest Jameson Williams guy. And hey, I'm man. worried I'm giving up true number one alpha with zero target competition whatsoever for Cortland Sutton, who has to deal with Jerry Judy. And uh don't don't shake your head. Judy is hurt, and I can talk about it later. He's barely played. Um and uh, who's the other guy? Jameson Williams has to share with Sun God, who is basically Cooper Cup, according to fantasy football Twitter. So <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I, I know you like wide receivers. Um, these are two great young wide receivers. I get CDs in them intrinsic part to your team, but I mean, JMO hits, he could be worth more than CD given a year's time. And then you get a Sutton on top of it. I just thought it was a fun trade on the episode and I know you want to do it. I am a uh, man. I, I just, I'm, I'm locked right now. I'm locked right now. So I, I can't say yes or no right now. I can't. 
I stay think tuned to Twitter to see if Jace accepts. Yeah, I think we'll have to stay tuned for Twitter. And if forced to make a decision on the pod, I think I would go with no, as crazy as that sounds. Hey, it's all it's all fun and games. Uh, Peter's going to give me a quicker no than you. Uh, Does Peter, that Elijah Moore in it? Yeah. I don't, I don't even tell it to me. I don't care. I want to see. I want. I want the listeners to see how irrational you are, Pete. Oh, I am. Yeah. Um, so I'm prepared to. I'll offer. give you Jamison Williams and Cortland Sutton. <laughs> would, you, uh, would you accept it, Peter? I think that is such a gross overpay. I'd have to. But. <laughs> All right. Thank God. No, I'm just going to offer you Cortland Sutton for him. Can't do it. Peter's can't a competitor do it. too. You know what? You know why I can't do it? Because I know. I know in my heart of hearts, the second I trade him, he's going to go off for 25 and look like an absolute stud. And I'm going to be kicking myself. And, the fun and you're going to hold him over my head like a little carrot on a string and I'll never be able to get him. Well, the fun thing is when players come to my team, they're very easy to get back. I think everyone knows that. Um, I don't really hold players over people's head. Um, I would like to think that I am a very fair trade valuer and i think Cortland sutton is going to be have a way better year than elijah moore and you're going for it so my offer is Cortland sutton this is a blatant pr stunt by max trying to get his name out there so people will <laughs> deal with him in the league no are you, are you saying no to the trade <laughs> i am saying no and all the listeners out there i know it's crazy but you know what my fandom will not allow me to do the deal do as I say, not as I do. As Max decides to give me a, a beautiful hand gesture on the uh, on the screen right now. You want to win or not? You want to have that medal by your name or not, Peter? Like we can I'm talk part- about it at another time. It's week three. Yeah. A lot of time left. There's three months left. Conklin. All right, let's three get and it. JB, right. you talk. You think? You let me know. I will. I will do that. All right, let's move into our crystal ball segment. We're going to predict the future. All right, let's take a look at last week's uh, rounding up all scoring, half PPR, four-point passing touchdowns. Last week, let's start from the top. Max, who was your boom and who was your bust? Yeah, uh, mine were pretty both average, I guess. I had DK as my boom, 12 targets, which was awesome to see. Geno Smith loves targeting him. Um, Five catches, 63 yards and a touchdown. In half point, he had 14.9. My bust was Jalen Waddell. I really did not know about the Bills secondary when I made this prediction. Um, Jalen Waddle, he did worse than DK, so I guess that's kind of a win. Uh, six targets, four catches, 102 yards. Um, he had a carry for nine yards. He had 13.1. I mean, not he a bust. He basically bust based on what people thought he was going to do. Yeah, I mean, but him and Tyreek Hill did, but – 13 points compared to his other week. I'll take it. Um, I'm just glad DK got the targets and it's looking brighter days there in Seattle for DK. Yeah, I I don't have uh, much to add. I think I know personally, I was a little disappointed with the Miami offense with as banged up as the bills were in their secondary Micah Hyde, uh, Jordan Poyer, Tredavious white all missing in that game. Um, I believe they had another cornerback missing as well. Defense, Ed Oliver, all kinds of guys missing. And I just felt like I, I just wanted to see Tua, Tyreek, and Jalen just burning the top off of that defense. 
and they didn't. Uh, two is banged up, got banged up in that game. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you would have liked to have seen a bigger game from Waddle, but he still got the job done, went over 100. Um, yeah, I mean, just relative to his other games, I, I guess you could call it a bust. Um, and the DK one, yeah, nice to see the targets. Nice to see the targets and nice to see the touchdown and see that he's a threat down there and that Gino can dot him up. So I, I really don't have much to add. I feel like these elite level wide receivers, we've just become so accustomed to the 18, 19, 20 point games from them that anytime that they put up less than 15, it's like, uh, they didn't have a great week. It's kind of, it's kind of getting ridiculous to be honest with the wide receiver talent and just how good these, these guys have been playing so far. Totally agree. All right, JB, let's move to you. Yeah. So my boom of the week, um, if you remember from last week, I, I couldn't really decide between Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins, I just kind of like both of those guys to bounce back. Kirk Cousins was coming off a disastrous Monday night game, um, and Adam Thielen hadn't done anything through the first two weeks. So I'll start with Adam Thielen. He racked up eight targets, six catches, 61 yards, and uh, it was nice to see him find the end zone once again, which has basically been like 60% of his fantasy points for quite some time, if not more. Um, and then Kirk Cousins, he just didn't kill you. Um, I think he finished as the QB 10 on the week and he threw the ball 41 times, completed 24 passes, looked rough early on in that game, um, trailing the Lions for most of that game. But he stormed back through for 206 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, Vikings won that game and Kirk, he just didn't kill you. Um, he was where he was drafted. So I wouldn't call it a boom or anything like that, but I would call Thielen, um, especially as late as you got him. My bust was A.J. Dillon going up against the Tampa defense, which I think is probably going to end up being a theme on this podcast for any kind of running back that doesn't catch passes. Um, A.J. Dillon, 12 carries, 32 yards, three targets, two catches, six yards, 4.8 fantasy points. Just a dreadful outing. And um, I was trying to tell people, if you're in a full PPR and you have someone like Naheem Hines or a Tony Pollard or anyone that can get you five points via catching the ball, I would start them. Uh, over A.J. Dillon, who you drafted in the fourth or fifth round, depending on your format uh, of redraft. And in Dynasty, you probably had to draft him a little earlier with uh, as much hype as he was receiving this offseason. You hit the nail on the head there when you said it's going to be a theme on the podcast. Um, but who would have thought that Adam Thielen would, I don't know, Justin Jefferson had six points, something really low. I mean, 14 yards, man. 14 yards versus Detroit um, is clamped in back-to-back weeks. People are saying it's a CUDA um, in Detroit there, but Adam Thielen was a good call. I'm really glad he found the end zone. He's honestly, he's a good value at wide receiver two this year. Um, Yes. It's going to be a lot of matchup based on what Kirk Cousins can do, but with no Dalvin cook and all the eyes on Jefferson, dude, Thielen, it will be there. Week yep. in and week out, and he's a very consistent route runner. So good call him there, JB. Him and Cousins, they just seem like they have a, a special bond. Yep. You want to – so Justin Jefferson, probably just like one of the biggest busts of the week across the entire thing, wasn't mentioned on this podcast. Versus Detroit in his career, who he played four times up to uh, this fifth matchup, Jefferson was averaging 125 yards and I believe seven and a half catches against Detroit. The only time he didn't go over 100 yards against them was the first time he saw him as a rookie, and he only played – I think he played less than 50% of the snaps. And he played the full complement in a game where they were trailing points and put up 14 yards. I mean, that that was – 
one of the biggest letdowns I've ever seen because I wrote about him in my uh, player prop article, and that just, oh boy, could not have seen that coming um, at all. Jeff Okuda pick starting to pay off in Detroit. Yeah, baby. All right, let's move into my absolute embarrassment that I had. Back-to-back weeks have been pretty off. Uh, this past week, I think, was my worst boom. I had Elijah Moore. I had him slated. He had 10 targets, so that's right along a boom week target share, uh, but was only able to haul in four of them. He was getting blanketed all day and just running deep routes for some ungodly reason. The guy's five foot eight. Why they have him on the outside trying to run fades. It's almost like the Jets coaching staff is incompetent, but that's the story for another time. Uh, so he had four receptions, 49 yards, and had, I believe, two end zone targets. So had an opportunity to pull in a couple uh, touchdowns, but the defense was a little bit too tight. So I'm going to wear that one off the chin. Uh, no more Elijah Moore booms for me. I'm not allowed to make that pick on the podcast anymore. It's too easy. So somebody yell at me if I make that pick moving forward. Uh, my bust, I think he actually really hard busted up until the game was out of reach late in the fourth quarter. I think he got his first catch in the third, middle of the third quarter, Terry McLaurin, nine targets, six receptions, 102 yards for 13.2 points. Wasn't an absolute boom week, wasn't a bust week from him, but if the Eagles weren't running away with that game, I think he probably would have finished with under 60 yards. I think the logic on that Terry McLaurin pick was a hundred percent there. Um, so I, I credit you on that. I, yes, it was an average week for him, pretty solid, honestly, in half point. Um, and even the Elijah Moore, like I'll, I'll give you the credit there. I thought he was going to boom this week too. So I tip my hat to you, Peter. I know you'll be back and I know you'll have some good picks this week. I agree. Respect the process on that one. Uh, you were going to keep fading players going up against Darius Slay in the Eagles and, um, Peter, you brought it up that Elijah Moore is playing on the outside. So he's got a 17.4% slot rate. Oh, that snaps played in the slot. Garrett Wilson's playing in the slot 48.7% of the time. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? This is something I mentioned. This is my literal keep me under 30 second jet spiel. I was at the draft. uh, And when it was the eighth pick, I was like, okay, the Falcons are going to go Garrett Wilson. We'll get. Uh, Drake London and everything will be right. And when the Falcons drafted Drake London, I was so infuriated. And everybody out there was like, why? You know, Garrett Wilson's the better prospect. You should be so happy. I was like, it just doesn't make logical sense for the team. Garrett Wilson's six foot, 185, 190 pounds. Elijah Moore's five foot eight, 185 pounds. Both these guys are not big dudes. They have no larger Corey threats. Davis is small too, right? Corey He'd Davis like is only 11. like six. No, I think he's like six foot. Okay. I think he's like six foot, six one, maybe at the most. So this receiving core is one of the smallest in the league. It has some burners on it. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're good receivers, but to make a team, imagine if you had five Kobe's versus five Shacks. I don't know who would win, but I think the five Shacks would find a way to win. So at the end of the day, my thing is Drake London would have helped this team out by having a guy on the outside that can do that. You slot Elijah Moore in, but now Garrett Wilson, they don't want him to be on the outside for his first couple games just getting them yeah. used to it so it's going to be weird seeing i heard that they're going to move elijah into the slot though this yeah. upcoming week they they have to i mean to to get off the jets in a second garrett wilson coming out of college one of his best abilities was the contested catch 
like most of his highlights that you saw come out of college were contested catches. So it's just like, like you said, maybe they're just getting him the ball in his hands out of the slot, quick and easy, get his, get his feet wet. But golly, you got to get Elijah in the slot. That just makes, I mean, Tyreek Hill is one of one, you know, like Elijah Moore is like maybe him light, but there's a reason he's light. Um, it's just, you got to get him in the slot. All right. Real quick, I really think that five Kobe's would be five Shaq. I, I don't know. Kobe doesn't lose, man. The guy's a competitor. He's a winner. I'm going with five Kobe's. I think I'm it's going with question. five Shaqs. I'm, it's a good Twitter question. It really is. It is a good one. So All right. Who are you going there? I feel like it's a little unfair to have Shaq out, out, out on the perimeter ball handling and trying to guard Kobe Kobe Bryant. You know, I mean, if it was. But he would Shaq just back against, Kobe down every time. That is true. But Kobe's got the three-point line, and Steph Curry has shown us, why would I score two points when I can just score three? And it's like one crossover, Shaq's going one way, and Kobe's already putting the ball in the net, uh, let alone running around to go get his own bounce. So I think Kobe probably wins that one. But if you had to play in the paint only, it's it's Big Diesel for sure. I, I love being too, but give me Diesel. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our notable bust for the week before we get into our future picks. Some of these guys definitely busted. Want to just get a temperature checks? We're gonna we're gonna stick our pinky toe in the water, see if it's a little warm, a little cold here. Javante Williams seven and a half points in that abysmal, abysmal Sunday night game. Zero problems with him moving forward, right? No, Zero. I I think he's so overrated. I mean. We don't have to get into it. I just think the price that you have to pay to get this guy who splits work, who doesn't even look that good to me, I don't want anything. I think his price tag's too high for me. His price tag for this season's probably a little too pricey for me too, just given the fact that Melvin's there. And they do like using Melvin, but, I mean, Javante's still getting a decent amount of work. Week one, seven attempts, 12 targets. Week two, 15 attempts, four targets. Week three, 15 attempts, five targets. I mean, I think I think the coaching staff over there wants to him to be Aaron Jones, and I think they can be similar players, bounce off tackles. They're explosive guys, and I would argue that between the tackles, Javante is probably the better pure runner by, by a good bit in my eyes. So long-term dynasty-wise, and if Melvin goes down, I, I think Javante is just going to smash. I, I'm buying in slowly but surely, but – um, it, it might be one of those things where you better find the smallest dip you can find and buy in because I do think once once that backfield is his, he's gonna be he's gonna be explosive. I think I always try to find a way to say this in every single episode. Melvin Gordon's a screaming value, screaming, screaming, screaming value in redraft right now. The owner probably doesn't understand just how important he really is to a championship run in a deeper league. Like in a 14 team league, I feel like he's him and a couple, maybe like Cordero, those like later, like less valuable running backs are going to be huge down the stretch, uh, trying to make the playoffs for your team. And then eventually in the playoffs, if you sneak in. So I'd take a temperature check on that. And by the way, when you're making that deal, never just go for Melvin straight. Yeah. Try to work him in as like a little piece on top to kind of throw the guy off. Cause you go in asking for Melvin straight, you're never going to get a fair offer. Yep. He is banged up right now, Melvin, that is. He logged a limited practice here on Wednesday when we're recording, um, but he's got a neck issue. So for the people looking to buy into Javanta, you might want to act pretty soon because the moment Melvin goes down and I think Javanta gets the full compliment, it's going to be, 
Uh, it's going to be wheels up. All right, James Conner, another disappointing week, 7.2. I'm just fading everyone in this Cardinals offense at all times until Hopkins is back. Then we can do another temperature check. I'm with you, Pete. I don't think we need to say much more. Yeah, no. Hollywood's the only guy. I mean, in Kyler, where you drafted him, you're going to keep starting him. But um, Hollywood and Kyler, those are the only two guys. And Connor, it's worrying. And I don't think we know who is the leader in the backfield. So, um, And maybe Ertz, probably. He's been PPR on his way, some nice finishes. Yep. But uh, running back. Especially backs, at the tight end position. Yep. Running back room's a mess, though. All right, Alvin, Alvin Kamara, another stinker of a week. I think that makes it three in a row for him. I'm getting nervous, guys. I'm getting very nervous as an Alvin holder in one of my leagues. Well, in the league that you have him, I don't think your team is anywhere close to competing. I would sell him if you are like that. If you're competing, though, I think he is a great buy now. Um, He plays Minnesota this week in London. I think he has a bounce back week. Uh, uh, Mark Ingram stole a touchdown from him last week. He's been getting the snaps. He's been getting the touches. Um, he's just got to find that end zone and break a couple long ones, and he'll be totally fine, um, especially with maybe no Jameis Winston this week. I saw that Andy Dalton was uh, taking some snaps today. I, I like the dump down. I like the handing it off. I think Alvin is a great buy now and a screaming value if you're a competitor. Totally, totally, totally agree. I think right now when you look at his game log on Sleeper, whatever app you're on, it looks bad because week one, he only put up 6.1. Week two, he didn't play, so there's nothing there. And then week three, 6.3. But he's averaging over four yards a carry on the ground. He just got 15 carries uh, this past week and seven targets in that game. Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are also banged up, leaving Chris Olave, who looks good and has seen a lot of targets uh, over the past couple of weeks. But he's still a rookie um, put up against – NFL top corners one-on-one being the sole focus. I think we'll maybe we'll get a different look at Olave and see what he's all about. Um, so yeah, Jameis, Michael Thomas, Jarvis, all these guys banged up. If Alvin's kept healthy, he is going to catch a ton of passes out of the backfield. This is kind of like um, Sterling Shepard going down to New York. I think the running back is going to benefit the most as it pertains to um, available targets. And I think Alvin's set up in a very similar scenario. All right, let's keep moving on. Mixon has been mixed off the last couple of weeks, sitting as the RB16 right now, but that's out of a strong week one. He put up 18 in week one, still touchdownless on the year. So you haven't really seen any touchdown upside from him. 27 attempts in week one, 19 in week two, 12 in week three against the Jets where they were blowing him out. So where is our temperature on Mixon right now? Again, he's been a little bit off the last couple of weeks. I think I'd be buying in on in redraft. I've, I've already attempted to, um, but the owners in our league are a little bit too adamant on them. By the way, targets nine, four, and seven, which is very good for the running back. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's had some great targets. He got hurt last week. I think he tweaked his ankle there. Samaji got that lucky third down catch. It was like on the very lucky line. Um, very lucky there. Unbiased, I think that- unbiased, very lucky. Yeah, 100%. No, I agree. I think Joe Mixon, though, has a great game tomorrow night in those white unis. I'm amped for it. Uh, or tonight when you guys are listening, I guess. I think the Bengals are going to have a bounce back win. I think they're going to get Mixon involved. It's what works for them. They saw it last year. They went to the Super Bowl. Don't let Joe Burrow run around like a crazy man with his head cut off. Hand the ball off. Get some dump downs going. Get the man going. Joe Mixon, I'm buying at a reasonable cost in Dynasty. Which um, is? I'd pay a first, first and a half. 
No, I think a first and a half spare, yeah. One point twenty-three, just like Jay said, these twenty-three picks are out the window unless you're going for like S tier like project uh prospects. So like a twenty-four first and a twenty-three second, like something like that. Like I a think, late twenty-three second. I have no issue paying a twenty-three first if you're going for it for yeah. Mix, honestly. I really don't. I Me mean either. he's a solid, solid running back too. Um yeah. I think he can win a lot of leagues. Yeah, and I think week to week he'll have RB1 weeks, and I think he has potential to maybe score the most amount of points at the position on the week, on any given week. Um, The passing work, like you said, is just ridiculous. You love to see that. And two, this offensive line was supposed to be a massive upgrade over what they've seen over the past few years, and it's really, really, really disappointed. Burrow's been under duress each and every game, like the entire game. Uh, maybe not the Jets game. I didn't watch so much of that one, but he was he was under duress. But the pass rush just couldn't get home. It was okay. so disappointing. So I mean, he's still uncomfortable. Um, and Mixon is averaging below three yards a carry on the year, which I think speaks to the weakness of that line. I do think they're going to end up rebounding from all the experts and analysts that I listen to that know way more about me than on offensive lines. They say they're going to bounce back. One thing I do want to highlight, though, for the competitors out there. The championship schedule for the Bengals is the hardest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, especially for Joe Mixon. At Tampa Bay in week 15, at New England in week 16, home against Buffalo, your championship weekend. I mean, good God. Like Jamar Chase holders, T. Higgins holders, Joe Mixon holders. If you're going for it this year, they're – there's a three-week stretch, weeks 11 through 13, at Pittsburgh, at Tennessee, Kansas City. You can see all those guys doing great in those respective matchups. That is my getting-off point before week 14 um, against Cleveland. You can maybe stretch it into that week, but you don't want people to see that Tampa and New England and Buffalo are right on the schedule. If That is if your trade deadline extends that far, but watch out. Watch out if you're looking good and you're trending towards a title. It might be time to get off those guys. Um, a thousand percent sometimes in the next four or five weeks and that kind of brings me to a little point here just a quick little trade little segment i might have brought it up last week like look ahead for the defenses if you play with defenses in your league i mean like i was looking at peter's roster today and he's got like the rams defense and i think week 15 they have a tough matchup believe me i've already looked yeah i'm trying to maneuver some things i have a defense of mine up yeah so like defenses it really is the key to winning um, I mean, if your defense puts up negative six, honestly, you'll probably lose. And that's one position. Whereas if your defense puts up 15 and your other guys put up average weeks, you'll probably win. So look ahead. I'm not even talking to week 15, 16, 17. I'm talking like if a lot of people are picking up the Packers defense this week, look to next week, go get an early claim in there. Or not a claim, just add them afterwards. I mean, they're going to be there. They're for free. Beat the waiver wire, beat the rush. All right, let's keep moving forward. Quick two seconds on this guy, Gabe Davis. I've always not been really big on him. Whenever Buffalo puts out a million points, of course he's going to put out a million points, but he's kind of like Mike Evans to me. Just No, no, no. No, no, no. Like I'm saying in that same tier where it's just like I can never rely on him, touchdown dependent to have a good week. Oh, no, I I can rely on Mike Ev every – I have no issue trying out Mike Ev every week. He's honestly probably. Dude, he had one catch this week for a touchdown. You're so lucky it was a touchdown. He could have blanked Evans, you. Mike Evans didn't even play this week. No, not Mike Evans. Sorry. Oh my God, Mike Williams. 
Oh, oh, that's a that's good twice one. I've done this now. <laughs> Mike Williams, sure, I could. I am with you that he's kind of like Gabe Davis. Mike Evans, please don't disrespect. Please, Mike nobody Evans. clipped that. I I never yeah. want to be disrespected. I, I got Evans. upset, man. I I really did. Mike Evans, Look, good for you, man. I I wouldn't mind you being soft on me with that. Mike yeah. Evans, the man. Mike yeah. will. I'm with you on there, Peter. I think Gabe Davis, just like him, we don't need to talk much on that. Yep, I'm with you. He is a. I used to say in the offseason, buy him as a flex, sell him as a wide receiver too. It's going to be way too up and down. Um, he's going to have his big weeks. He's Will Fuller. He's Mike Williams, your favorite boom bust over the years. He is that. And if you can buy him at a flex cost or you got him at a flex cost, I think you're winning. Speaking about boom bust guys, another one I'm not really high on because of it, Rashawn Bateman. I think the um, Ravens put up like 36 points, was it, this week? Yep. 36 points, and he just um, somehow managed to have five points and half-point PPR being their number one wide receiver. So if that doesn't say anything about who he is as a receiver, that's all I'm going to say. Anything else from anybody here? I'm really worried about him. I think I brought it up last week. 61% of his points are on those two default touchdowns from the first two weeks. Sorry, Um, Kev K. No, Kev K doesn't even have him. Alex does now. Um, Just really worried about him. I don't think he's – all that Lamar looks amazing and he's putting up five points. We see that Mark Andrews is a target hog there. I think if you miss the window to sell. All right. Kittle. Is he done? No, he's just hurt. He's coming back. Yep. No, that, was, that was a gross game. He'll be back. Yeah. All right. Jimmy G's running things too. So uh, much better than Trey Lance. So Kittle stock is up. Let's run through notable breakdowns at an efficient rate. Lamar Jackson, nothing needs to be said. He's elite, and he deserves to be treated as such. We already touched on Herbert. Devonta Smith, we spoke about a little bit at the start. Wanted to mention for two seconds, do you think now that we're three weeks into this season, obviously would like a little bit more of a sample size, but just feeling the the temperature here, do you think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to provide 2,000-yard receivers and potentially two top, let's say one top 12, one top 30 wide receiver? Yes, I, he can provide two top a thousand wide receivers, and I think he can provide a top twelve and top thirty wide receiver. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Smith in top twenty four talk. That would be outrageous as a wide receiver too. But in that, like right outside, like 32. flexible, flexible yeah. wide receiver options. Yep, hundred percent. Yep, I, it's a yes on on both of those things. Um, Baker Mayfield was able to provide a thousand yard. Uh, thousand yard receiving seasons to Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry at one point. And if Baker can do it, I think Jalen can do it. There you go. All right. Moving forward. Matt Collins flashing a pan. I, that was lucky. I mean, he caught a touchdown. Um, Not much to be said with him. Yep. Totally agree. All right. Derek Henry looks like he's back again one week. I think he's going to be just fine this upcoming season. Everyone was starting to panic a little bit but I think he'll kind of level out. I don't see him scoring 22 every week. I think he's going to be around that like 17 to 19 range. I disagree. I really think that, I mean, he had a one yard touchdown there. Uh, yes, he got, he, what benefit? He looked good. Lot. He looked good. He looked health, better than the first two weeks. He yes. looked healthy. That's, he that's looked, the best thing to say. Yes. He looked healthy. I just think Tennessee is a dumpster fire right now. I don't see them winning many games. It was, positive to see him involved in the passing game but if he didn't have that one yard touchdown and like 40 yards and those screen passes 
we'd be talking about another 10 to 12 point week. And you just can't be having that for a guy that you invested heavy competitive draft capital in as a redraft. And if you're going for it, I mean, you value him probably as a top three back. And I think I would try to sell him honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, if I'm going for it, I'm going to keep him on my roster. I'm not going to sell him off because I'm personally, I'm buying into some of this receiving work. I mean, he got six targets, caught five balls for 58 yards. And you know, Henry is always one play away going through the tackles from housing one. And then let's talk about getting him out in space and a couple DBs out there to go try to tackle him. I mean, like, that's like, that's, that's a tall task to say the least. Um, and I'm, I'm encouraged by the receiving work and I believe it a little bit because the, the Raiders and the Titans, they both needed to win desperately this past week. And when push came to shove, the Titans said, we're getting the ball to Derrick Henry. We're going to hand it to him 20 times on the ground. And we're going to make sure we get the ball in his hands and we're going to throw it to him six times and see what happens. So when push came to shove, he was the focal point, which we already knew. But I mean, in a way we've never seen before, they're still uh, one and two, the Titans, that is. I think they still got a long way to go. I think with Mike Vrabel on that team, um, I, I think they're always going to think they're a playoff contender because they have been since he's been there, essentially. And I think they're going to ride Henry to zero. I think they're just going to keep giving him the rock however they can and seeing if he can win the game for them. So the volume's going to be there. But at the end of this year, if you don't hop off sometime this season, I mean, the stock is going to just start pile driving itself into the ground. So if you're closer, uh, you're middle of the pack kind of guy with Derrick Henry, I'm shifting over to rebuild mode. I'm not going to chase it. Uh, the one thing I will say, he has a nice two week playoff schedule there. He's got uh, the, Chargers in Houston. I mean, that is very nice. So I would probably keep him just for that, honestly. But Peter, I, I know you have him. You're you're willing to ride him to zero. hundred percent. You have to be willing to ride him to zero because I have elite level talent that I could trade for running back at any given moment. So I'm perfectly fine riding him to zero. But he's not for everybody. If you're a competitor that's like teeter tattering on the edge and not having movable assets, he is a 100% ship right now. Yes. All right, let's keep moving really quick on these next two guys. Cordero, boom bust running back play this season. Yep. Yep. Play the but, matchups. But I'm perfectly fine with that. Perfectly fine with that, given the fact that running back is so hard to come by. So oh, it's yeah. not anti Mike uh, Mike Williams, how I usually am. But moving on, Marquise Brown, 21 points. JB, I'll let you take over being from AZ. Well, should I head right into my crystal ball? All right, let's head right in. All right. Well, here we are. I'm looking into the crystal ball right now for my boom of the week. And as previously hinted at, it's Marquise Hollywood Brown. And um, man, I was just super, super, super encouraged with Marquise Brown this past week. I know it was kind of, uh, you know, he didn't have like any big breakaway plays or anything like that, like kind of the stuff that we're, um, we've become used to seeing him make when he scores his fantasy points. But the Cardinals, they made sure they were getting the ball in his hands. Kyler was making sure he got the ball in his hands. 17 targets, 14 catches, 140 yards. I mean, he just straight up PPR'd um, the Rams to death, like just catch after catch after catch. So I think you've seen kind of the blueprint of what you want over the past two weeks. He had 11 targets in week two. They're going to get the ball in his hands. He's James Conner's not doing anything. A.J. Green is dust, and he's injured, and they have Andy Isabella and Greg Dortch. Like, they don't want to rely on those guys. 
they want to rely on the guy that they uh, went out and got um, via trade this offseason. And he draws a pretty solid matchup this upcoming week. Not the best in the world by any stretch uh, of imagination, but still a good matchup uh, nonetheless. He is drawing the Panthers in Carolina. And the Panthers are giving up 181.67 receiving yards to opposing wide receivers per game. And that is good for eighth worst in the NFL. So a, um, you know, bottom quarter of the league, I believe if my math is right. No, just outside of the bottom quarter of the league, but still, still a fine matchup. And I think I just, I think the targets are going to carry over. I think they saw kind of a recipe uh, to success in a way. I know they didn't come out and win that game, but He's their only hope, essentially. So I think he's going to get fed targets again. I think he's going to get behind the secondary, maybe. Um, and we're going to see kind of a deep score that we're used to seeing out of him. So Hollywood Brown is my boom of the week. Yeah, it's to me, it's just crazy that he can put up as many PPR points that he did last week without scoring a touchdown. Um, he is obviously the clear number one in that offense. A.J. Green, Dortch, I really think he's just a name. I think you missed your opportunity to sell him there. Um, just the connection that those two have is really impressive. And I think he's going to have a huge week this week as well. So I love the pick JB. Yeah, personally, I'm not a big Hollywood guy, so I won't say I love the pick, but going up against Carolina, I think Kyler, that's like an all time, like weird, that game just feels like it's a fever dream. Like Arizona travels to Carolina. I feel like that'll get mentioned like literally three times on red zone the whole time. I was I, looking at the matchup and I was still like at Carolina. Those colors, those colors just don't make sense. <laughs> I just know how that broadcast is going to look. I, was, I literally had it on paper and was still like, is that right? What the hell? Honestly, like thinking about it and like going through my head. Sorry to cut you off, Pete. They're going to talk about that a lot on Red Zone. And I could see this game being really high scoring, just given the fact that it's Baker versus Kyler. And it's just one of those weird games. Like, both have been underperforming like crazy. Mm-hmm. I can see CMC going crazy. crazy. DJ, DJ Moore could find a touchdown. No, I mean, I see this no don't say it. Bro, <laughs> that, that's how much I can see this game going crazy. Like a 34-31 type game. So, I don't know. It's it's those weird games, you know? Yeah, right. I agree. All right, Max. Uh, Jace had his homer pick. Let's hear yours. <laughs> this is I had uh, mine last week, so... <laughs> I wouldn't really call it a homer pick. Uh, Mine's Amari Cooper versus Atlanta. I really think this is a trap game. I think they think the Browns could go in there and beat Atlanta. Atlanta has not looked bad. Um, Atlanta, I don't know what the spread is. Artie Smith. I'll look it up for you right now. Yeah, I could. Let's see here. I got Atlanta plus one and a half. It's in Atlanta. Atlanta's not bad. Yeah, that's probably going to be my spread of the week. Um, but just going back to the pick, we're not talking sports betting right now. We're talking my pick. I'm going with Amari Cooper. The dude is probably the most pure route runner in the NFL. He had a great week last week versus the Steelers. He had a great week versus the Jets. Um, and both those weeks, he's had over 10 targets. So 10 and 11 targets. Um, he has 101 yards in both those past two weeks and a touchdown. So 20 points the past two weeks in both those games. Um, I think that Atlanta, I get they have AJ Terrell, but again, it's the Falcons. This is going to be a shootout as well. Not a shootout because the Browns, like, I think Nick Chubb's going to have a great week. Don't get me wrong. 
But Jacoby Brissett's throwing the ball about 30 times a game. Um, so Amari Cooper's looking at a 33% target share with his route running capabilities. I think he finds the end zone. And I think it's more of like a sleeper boom pick for me. The uh, Falcons are giving up the fifth most wide receiver yards per game. Uh, or giving out the f- fifth most uh, receiving yards per game to opposing wide receivers is a better way to say that. And they are giving up 195 to opposing wide receivers per game. So I, I said it from the beginning of the year, the, the Falcons secondary is supposed to be a strength of their defense, if not the only strength of their defense. And they, AJ Terrell can, you know, it's only one guy out there. And uh, Stefanski is a smart, smart coach and Joku's coming off a great game. The Falcons are going to have to focus on him a little bit. So I I'm with you on this one. Maybe we don't see just a, I don't think I'm going to see, we're going to see like a true outburst, but I think if you're, you know, debating between Amari and another guy, this is a good reason to go with Amari. And I think he's going to have a good game and has the, has good potential for a great game. Nothing else to be said, man. I I think Amari kind of proved to me that he's going to be good this year. Uh, When we saw him kind of just take a dump on Sauce's chest. Now I'm not, going to say this rookie cornerback is the you know the proverbial Jesus Christ come down from the cross but he has had an incredible start to his young 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 career and that Jets secondary has played out of its freaking mind to start the year uh and when I watched that game with you Max he was absolutely cooking that Jets D uh and he proved it back-to-back weeks put up great weeks we'll see if he's able to put it up for a third if he puts it up for a third straight week, I think his stock's going to probably go through the roof. Value of the year, man. Value of the year. Everyone left him, my, myself included, left Amari Cooper for dead. Um, during the Deshaun Watson stuff, and especially after the full suspension was set in for 11 games, but Jacoby's been getting it done recently. We're going to move into my boom for this upcoming week. It's a guy who has put together decent weeks. Uh, at the tight end position. So he put up 10, 10, and then five over the last three weeks. He's seeing over 75% of the snaps uh, every single week consistently. Pat Fryermuth, he is a very interesting dynasty player, in my opinion. Tight end position is very hard, very hard, as a lot of people know. Let's say that there's about six elite level guys that you can plug and forget. Everybody after that is going to be a hope or a prayer. But when I look at Mute this week, the Jets are allowing an insane amount of points to the fantasy tight ends. Their linebackers cannot cover for SHIT. This upcoming week, I know they're trying to get that defense right. I just feel like in my heart of hearts, Fryermuth's going to score a touchdown, which should be enough for anybody to start him in fantasy this week. And I would consider it a boom. I think my boom for him is coming around that 13-point mark. I think he is going to average out that like nine or 10. If he's able to get a couple extra catches, 13, 14 point boom. Yeah. um, Two things. One, I saw a fun fact before last week, before Kyle Pitts scored more points than him. Fryermuth, they came in in the same like draft class. Fryermuth only scored 6.1 less points than Kyle Pitts did in like the one year and two games or whatever it was, which to me is pretty crazy. Um, I also think Fryermuth has a great game this week because Mitch Trubisky has to prove it. He's not going to go out there and just want to hand it off to Najee. Like, yes, they want to get the win. No offense, Pete. They probably should get the win. The Browns couldn't do it versus the Jets. 
I mean, the Jets have played, and this is their fourth straight AFC North opponent. It's a great schedule. Um, oh, yeah. But I think Mitch Trubisky is going to prove it. I think Claypool, we know what he is there. Not much. Deontay Johnson, okay. Pickens looked good. He had that nice catch. But Fryermuth is his security blanket. He's going to go to him. I could see him scoring a touchdown. Pete, love, love, love the pick. Yeah, I was uh, looking at the way um, tight ends match up against the Jets, and the data itself isn't necessarily the best. And one way um, that I'm one reason why I'm saying that is because I believe they're one of a good amount of teams that haven't given up a touchdown to a tight end yet. And I don't think they're going to be able to do that all season long. And a guy uh, in Pat Fryermuth that's as targeted as heavily as he is in his respected offense, and especially down in the red zone. Um, I think he's a smash start. And I think um, I, I really wasn't that big of a believer. And I think a, a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. Um, and it's, you know, Big Ben is no longer there. And I think Kyle Pitts, like you said, really just kind of overshadowed the season that Fryermuth had. Um, but I love this one. And I think where you got Fryermuth, he's gonna he's gonna be a really nice value throughout the rest of the season uh, in redraft and in dynasty. All right, let's flip it back around. Same logic's gonna apply that I've been using over the last couple of weeks, and we've seen it over the last couple of years. Clyde getting, I believe, 40% of the carries is going to outside of a touchdown, probably finish under six points against Tampa. You know what the fun thing is? Me, you, and Jace all had the same amount of rushing yards as Clyde did last week. But <laughs> I think Clyde we actually had... might have had more. We had more because we had <laughs> yeah. zero. He had negative one, right? Or am I wrong? I think he had zero, but he had seven carries for zero. So could have we, at it. if we had seven attempts, do you think we could have gotten more yards? Wait, sorry. I was just on the phone with Andy Reid. What were you guys saying? He uh, he was interested. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I would probably get about negative 12 if I were yeah. an NFL running back. <laughs> I, I don't think we can get zero, Pete. I think, look, you give me seven carries and we average the yardage, I think I could break one. Just one. All yeah. it takes is one. I think one yard? after the first hit from a linebacker, say, uh, <laughs> shoot, I don't know. If Micah Dude, Parsons Fred, got Fred and got a decent shot on me, yeah, Fred think, Warner, it's gonna hit me and just smash my head against the turf. Ooh. Yeah, I think my lung would get punctured by my all of my ribs shattering. I, I don't think I could withstand the hits. So I'm I going negative twelve. Seven fullback dives, we could maybe get a yard if we get the ball and dive on the ground and just pick up some inches every time. That's what I'm saying. Man, it doesn't have to be sexy. <laughs> all right either either way i love the there's really not, not much to talk about here he's playing tampa he has not looked good you should have sold him last week i think he has a trash trash week this week yep all the ppr handcuff guys that you got the naheem hines the tony pollards the man i'm trying to even think of anyone else shoot i'd probably rather i'd start jarek mckinnon over him and uh, i take Would that you back i take Carter that back over him Yes, yeah. uh, I would start. 100%. I would try to find almost anyone else. Not Jarek McKinnon, though, because Clyde has been getting the receiving game work. Um, but got, I'm starting and, Jarek McKinnon this week. Are you? Over Clyde? Yeah. Or I just in a league? Oh. In our dynasty league that I'm uh, I'm tanking for. So the pick will be better for you. 
Um, oh, yes. Thank Garrett you. McKinnon will be in because he plays on Sunday night. And I love that. Mm, okay. Yeah. But pivot, pivot, pivot. All right. Uh, moving on. Not much to say about Clyde. Mine's going to be pretty quick as well. I mean, I know we're running a little late here. Um, mine is surprising. This is Devonte Adams. Oh. Um, he plays Denver and we've seen what Pat Sertan can do. Yes. Cortland Sutton had over a hundred yards or pretty damn close to it last week, but Russ looked terrible, man. I mean, that Denver defense is for real. Um, and Devonte, yes, he had a great week one, but the past two weeks, he's been worrying me, man. Two catches for 12 yards versus Arizona two weeks ago. And then last week, five catches for 36 yards. Both those weeks, he scored a touchdown. You take those touchdowns away, we're looking at three and two points. I mean, we're talking about a whole different Devontae. Um, right now, he's like wide receiver 10. I don't know. I think Devontae still has it. I think it will take the Raiders some time, but I'm staying away this week, and I think he'll have under 10 points. Yeah, I mean, this is a tough, tough fade because the Chargers are Owen. I mean, the the Raiders, excuse me, are Owen three, and they need a win so so bad, and they just got this man. Um, but the matchup, like you said, is tough. The Broncos are the best defense in the league against opposing wide receivers, giving up only 113 yards to opposing wide receivers per game, only 12.33 fantasy points. That is the number one team against um, wide receivers. I, but man, if you have Devonte though, like if I have Devonte, I'm starting him. I think this is one of those things where you don't pivot, you start your studs, especially when Vegas is their their back is against the wall. There, I don't. They're probably going to have a very like um, he's going to have like a Hollywood s game where it's just like every throw is going his way, and they're hoping he can break one. Um, you're going to start him, but just manage your expectations. You might need, you know, instead of your flex being Naheem Hines, who you're hoping gets you. 12 PPR points, maybe you shoot for the moon with, I don't know, like a Jahan Dotson or um, pick your wide receiver that you think can score a 60 yard touchdown. All right, let's move forward to our last one, Jace. This one brings a tear to my eye, but I can see it. So you send us on home. Yeah, this one, I'm going with Garrett Wilson here. And um, we used to call Garrett Wilson Tokyo Drift on this podcast. Go, go, Tokyo. Go, go, Tokyo. Probably one of my favorite nicknames, if not my favorite nickname from this podcast so far. He's just, he's so quick. He's so quick. You don't know when he's going to change directions. And he's looked really good recently. But my biggest thing is Zach Wilson has not thrown a single professional pass to Garrett Wilson yet in both of their careers. Um, I, I'm really worried, you know, and the only guy – that Wilson has thrown the ball to is Corey Davis and he's thrown it to Elijah Moore. I'm worried about just kind of the, the hyper targeting of both of those guys. Um, comfort, little comfort. Yeah. Little comfort. And I think the Steelers know Mike Tomlin knows Garrett Wilson is a game breaker and someone who can make a difference. And I think he is going to make it a part of his game plan to scheme him out of the scheme him out of the game and make Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and the running backs beat them because Garrett Wilson looks right now looks like the only um, offensive piece that the Jets have that could just absolutely blow the gates of a game open and uh, allow them to sneak by a win. So uh, I'm worried about Zach Wilson coming off the meniscus tear as well. Uh, you mentioned the offensive line woes. This I know the Steelers are out, um, TJ Watt, but this is, I mean, Mike Tomlin is that team. That's who you're betting on most of the time yeah. with them. So don't care. 
Yeah, it doesn't matter. So Garrett Wilson, you know, you've probably been flexing him. Uh, this week I would look to find someone else for sure. I love the analysis. I love the breakdown there. I just – he's looked good, Garrett Wilson. Um, I, I know that a lot of players like Amari Cooper has had success versus Pittsburgh. Um, I know a lot of like wide receiver ones have had success versus Pittsburgh. I'm kind of brain farting on who they played week one and two, but I think the logic's there. And especially with Zach Wilson, just not playing, not having that chemistry. Like if it was Joe Flacco, I think we have a totally different story. Cause that guy's hundred percent. Totally agree. 100%. Slings it, but Zach Wilson, we got to see. So tamper your expectations. Love the pick. I feel well, like they're going to run the ball a lot. Yeah, even I, though like it's not going to work, like they'll just pound pound the ground just to make sure Zach feels comfortable. Yep, two things too. Um, this is a really good matchup, Max. You were starting to talk about that, and I meant to say that, but I kind of just got caught in fading him. The Steelers are giving up the seventh most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. Um, number ones have been cooking against them, but for all the reasons I said earlier, I'm looking to pivot off of Garrett Wilson, and if Zach Wilson, who is probable to play right now, but Peter, you told me that if anything goes wrong, yeah, he might get the bench. I, I'd say it's like a 5% chance he gets the bench. Okay. If that 5% chance happens, because we record so early in the week, and Flacco's back out there, I'm playing Garrett Wilson, and my pivot for bust of the week is uh, Jamal Williams. I know he's got a good matchup against Seattle. Maybe Amon Ra is out. Um, I just I, – I don't – I think Jamal Williams is very jaggy, and I worry that um, I'm probably going to start him based on running back injuries and things of that nature, but manage your expectations with Jamal Williams after the week he just put up. All right. That is going to drive us to the finish line of today's episode. Wanted to thank our partners over at Underdog for sponsoring another week of the podcast. Again, use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, and Get a free deposit match up to $100, 100 100 in bonus cash. Wanted to thank everybody for making it to the end. Uh, leave a like on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Uh, subscribe on Spotify. Do whatever you got to do. Tell your grandma about the show. Again, do whatever you got to do to get the word out. We will see you on Saturday for a sports betting special. And thanks for everything. I... Uh... Just real quick, was watching JB's face. I offered him the trade. Um, he rejected it. So I turned it down. He turned, turned it down. It down. Um, I guess he's not a fan of wide receivers these days, especially young ones. So, yep, it's a it was a tough one. It, I I really appreciate the offer, and if I didn't have the wide receivers that I currently have rostered. I would say yes to that one. I just, I'm at the point, another wide receiver makes it too many wide receivers for my current roster, um, which is that you never hear me say that, but I'm at that point right now. We, me and you both know, JB, there's no <laughs> such thing as too many wide receivers. One of those guys hit, you flip them for a haul and a half. Uh, CD's already hit in my mind, though, for through the first three weeks. I mean, mm. the target share. Conversation. Let's get four weeks of sample size and, and table this conversation for well, next week. Well, I mean, he is with a backup quarterback, too. So Cooper I mean, Rush, he could start on some teams. That's fine. And CD's gotten 11 targets and been a low and wide receiver one. So I'm I'm still bought in. How close are we? Like, would a second put it over the top? No. No, I'm at the point where I, it's just not the framework I want, well, I think, if I'm dealing CD. I think 
Look, Jace, Jace wants a yacht, and you're offering him a jet, a private jet. Two jets. <laughs> Jace My wants, yacht's bigger, and I like being on the I, I like being on the water more than I like being he on wants, the sky. He wants a helicopter to park on his helipad. He doesn't <laughs> want two fighter pilots. Yeah, they just don't fit on my yacht. There it is. Fair enough. You've heard it here. You've heard it here. Two irrational traders try to make a deal with a rational trader. It doesn't happen, everybody. <laughs> it's almost like you're too rational, Max. I gave up good value. Well, All right. Want to thank everybody for making it to the end again. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Monarchy. Thanks again. We'll see you Saturday for the sports betting special on Twitter. See you then. Thank you for listening to the Dynasty Monarchy podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice? Tweet or DM at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Until next time. Farewell, my fellow kings and queens.